What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. It's because we're recording on Mother's Day, or it's because every time I tell Fubar to stop after playback, it doesn't listen to me. Anyway, welcome everyone in. No, I know PC Tony. Thank you for teaching me how to do that. I clicked it. I swear to God, on a stack of Bibles, clicked stop after current. Blue check mark is there. Thought it was good to go. That's why I tested it before we recorded. No dice. You also have to click stop. I did. Stop and stop after playback, after current. I, I don't what? Yeah, it says it. That's what I got. This is like one anyway. of these behind the scenes making my, of bandwagon my, nerds documentaries. You have two things. My, you have two. You have, have two things. Checked. I have two check. I have two check marks. It says stop and stop after current. Your computer is evil. Or I missed one. Who knows? As it is, just another friendly reminder of Patrick O'Dowd's incompetence in the land of podcasting. Even despite the best ex- efforts of experts like PC Tunney, Patrick O'Dowd can't get it right. I'm sure Greg DeMarco would agree. Welcome, everyone, into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Of course, I am Patrick O'Dowd. You heard the voice of the live studio audience, PC Tunney, and actually the voice of the lawyer himself, David Ungar. We are sans Ray Cash. Rightfully show, rightfully so, as we record here on this beautiful Mother's Day out on, on the East Coast. Anyway, uh, Ray's got some things going on. Family comes first, and so I don't know what that says about us and, and our relationships with our mothers or the mothers in our lives. 
But uh, I already took care of my Mother's Day duties of this morning and, you know, spent some time with my mom and gave her a gift. So there you go. Right. I mean, mine comes down to a phone call because she's in the Midwest. My mom's no longer with us, so can't do anything about that. Just got to take care of my wife. So awkward. It's all right. You know, I mean, it is what it is. is. Certain things are inevitable, right? That is true. On a long enough on a long enough timeline, everybody reaches zero, as Brad Pitt would say. Uh, hey, real quick, guys! Not only do I suck at working the soundboard thing, but I do have new soundboards. Like I can say that Bandwagon Nerds is a part of the Chairshot Radio on thechairshot.com, and then I can follow it up with this: thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Hey, it worked. It worked. I didn't do it. I had something out of it. <laughs> Thank you, Christopher Platt. Uh, we are excited. We are starting another project for the next five episodes here. We are bringing back a follow-up to the Villain Project. We are going to the other side of the spectrum this week. We are going to be doing the Heroes Project. And in an effort to get us to what was supposed to be Loki, which then Disney Plus screwed up and moved up the start date. So now... Loki's playing on a Wednesday on June 9th. And the math's all wrong. Whatevs. We we have started down this path. We are going to head down this path. We are doing the Heroes Project for the next five weeks. We have five great categories of various top ten heroes according to the bandwagon nerds. This week we are covering the topic of the top ten heroes in television and streaming series. Uh, we figure... I, I know when we did the villains project, we did like a big, like kind of, I think we said it was in film. Dave, you said you went back and listened. Was it film? Is that what we said it was? It was film and TV. They were combined. And that to me felt too big. Like it just felt too broad. And so I thought it would be fun to just add a category and approach the television side of things and to heroes from television. Ray, dedicated bandwagoner that he is kindly sent us his list so we'll be able to include his selections but we won't have to pontificate proliferate um whatever sort of long flowery statements we want to say about that we will name the names looking over his list i saw some things in common with at least what i know dave and i have talked about uh so that'll that'll be kind of fun and yeah, that's really all we're going to cover this week. We were going to cover one other topic, but I want to make sure that we have a full bandwagon to cover it. And we um, are pretty certain that this is going to be a topic that's not going to go away anytime soon. And that, of course, is the big Superman news. But we want to hold off on that until we have a full panel to have what I would say is a fruitful discussion about what's coming down the line for DC Films and Warner Brothers. So. Without further ado, I think we can just get right into it. We are going to follow the same rules we've always followed when it comes to our projects. Uh, for those of you that recall, we I always randomly determine an order. The nice thing about Ray not being here is that my randomized order doesn't get messed up because the randomized order was Patrick, Tunney, Dave, Ray. So now it's just Patrick, Tunney, Dave. Everybody wins. We'll we'll throw I guess we'll throw Ray's names out there when the, when when his terms come up just so that he gets his due. Uh, but the rules are, are the same. These are our top ten heroes uh, from 
television programs or streaming programs. These are our lists. These are by no means definitive. If we have a matching name on our list, but one of us has it higher, we will always defer to the highest point that the name appears on that list. You all can't see it because we don't do this on YouTube or anything like that, but it'll be a hand raise on our end. And we'll go for a, we'll go from there. We're going to do 10 through 6 before we take our commercial break. After our commercial break, we'll do 5 through 1, and Patrick O'Dowd has a question. And that'll do it for this week's edition of The Bandwagon. How you, you guys right. feel reasonable? Yes. If I may, there's one clarification, one slight variation between the Heroes Project and the Villains Project that you and I discussed yesterday during yes. Sure Shot Radio is that when we did the Villains Project, we said that everybody had to be based in comic books. It had to be a comic yes, book villain. walked away from that. We kind of, yeah, th- this time we kind of said that it, it, it really is just a hero project because there have been some iconic TV shows involving heroes that don't necessarily stem from comic books, but are still very well beloved. And we'll be talking about a couple of them as we go along here today. Absolutely. And I will say that out of the, um, I stuck with the genre. Like you won't see me like I don't have MacGyver in my list, but if I were doing a hero project, hold on, I gotta switch MacGyver. my list. What about what about Sam Beckett? Number twenty one on my list actually got crossed off. Oh, you might have him, hey? Right, see that got crossed off. Ooh, right below Underdog. There you go. Excellent, Tony. Uh, I didn't have Underdog, but Super Chicken. He had Super Chicken on there. Well, wait, wait and see. Mighty Mouse. Hey, you all, you all have heard of Super Chicken, right? Like, you know, that's a real cartoon. I mean, Dave, you were like nine when that cartoon was running, so you, you better know. He was no Hong Kong fooey, but oh, God, I forgot him too. Cute. Captain Caveman. Right? Captain so, Caveman. Shit. Yeah. So let's talk about this list, like building this list, because I did have a little bit of trouble, and I and I totally bent the rules for two of. Well, actually, as I'm looking at this. There's a few. I bet I bet the rules quite a bit. Uh, I'm not going to lie, but everything's kind of steeped in either a science fiction or superhero bent. Uh, I didn't I didn't go too far out of that, and, and even then I didn't go too deep because there were some characters that I would have loved to have included that are just from some great sci-fi shows, and we may have to do a sci-fi television series project or something or sci-fi superhero television project at some point so that you guys can talk about crisis on infinite earth. And I can talk to you all about how fringe is low key. One of the greatest TV shows that nobody watched. Uh, but, and there's some great characters out of that show that I, ugh, to this day, love that show. Wish it had never gone away, but yeah, I will start with you, Tony. Because you said you you put together a list and it got up to twenty one. Did you have to stop yourself? Like what happened trying to pull this list together for you? Actually, I was like around seventeen, and I was like, I can find three more just to round it out to twenty. Because I, you know, you you go on and first you you guys probably do what I do, and I I don't have anything in mind. I know what I know. There's a couple things that can be on there, but I hit the old Google machine. TV superheroes, find the best, most cohesive lists, look through them all, go up and down them. And then I just start writing things down that like, okay, this can make the list. This was good. I didn't watch this, but I know it's good. It's in contention. And then when I got to the solid 20 with, I did cross Sam Beckett off just because it was a little bit out of the realm. And I'm glad you got to have him on there. Apparently Uh, I just went down, like put, put little check marks by which ones would be in the top 10. 
and X's by the ones that wouldn't. And then I ranked the top 10 and then I would just rank the rest of them. So I had my whole 20 top 20 here. I mean, if just knowing what I know about you and some of the series you watch, and I'm, I'm hopeful that I'm correct on some of my internal guesses. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil them on the show. I don't want to do that to you. Dave, you said you struggled. Why, why did you struggle? Because you're, like 9,000 years old and we're around when TV was invented. That's exactly Cutting them right. down or coming up with them? Coming up with them at first. I, and, and I'll say this, like... Nobody ten, knows who Howie Duty is, no, so he had to cut, no, he had to not, cut Howie he's Duty. He's not a hero. He's a pain in the ass. Uh, but no, I'd say, like, looking at my list, like 10 through 6 is very much recency bias. I mean, extro- extreme, because you guys are the ones who've gotten me into watching streaming shows. And I... And, and, and I and I didn't feel comfortable enough with some of the other ones. Like I, I know people are going to be on Tony's list because uh, I've seen them on, you know, and they're on Ray's list. And it's like I want to put them on there, but I don't feel comfortable enough with the characterization to put them on there. And and then and then, then like five through one, and my number one kind of number one kind of. Whoa, where's that echo coming that, from? I don't even hear it. So it's all you, bro. It's all me. Uh, my number one got altered right when we talked about yesterday what we talked about. And, and, and as soon as you mentioned the guy you put on there, I thought of somebody else. I'm like, oh, that's got to be my number one. So it's just because I haven't watched as much of the modern TV as, as, as like, like I, and I told you off air, like I've already got my list for next week put together because that was easy. Heroes in movies yeah. and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, TV, I just, it's not, it's not in my wheelhouse. So I did kind of struggle a little bit, but in looking at it, I'm like, yeah, you know, this, this will be an okay list. Sure. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I am. I'm all over the place. Whoa. We're gonna what in, in the world? The beautiful place. We'll get rid of that. Wow, Sorry. Did not, you guys is that, hear that? Is that the new Ray cash total package that, commercial where no, that, that was the total package series, 10 metrics, me, five me weeks. I get a cast and IMDb deciding that it wanted to play a trailer for me. The total, total, total package, package, package. I was trying. I was trying to type in the name of the first show so that I could get the name of the actor because I forgot to write it down. And uh, apparently, IMDb decided I wanted to hear their tribute to Asian actors. So kind of rude. All right. Kind of rude of you to not want to hear their tribute to Asian actors. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not. It's that's not what we're doing today. So. Um, I'm sure they understand, but my, okay. So I, I was all over the place. I did cheat a little bit. Like I said, I, I threw in a couple of folks that weren't really, they weren't based off of comic books, but they're there. Some of them became comic books, uh, in fact, or became characters in comic books. Uh, but all of them are within a similar sort of, like I said, science fiction or superhero event. So my first selection though, as Dave mentioned is, uh, the character Ralph Hinckley, played by a guy named William Cat from the television show The Greatest American Hero, which was a sitcom in the early 80s about a teacher. He's like a, he's like either a high school teacher or a, he teaches at like a junior college or whatever who comes across an alien super suit that gives him all these sorts of wonderful powers, but he loses the instruction book. 
And so he doesn't know how to use the suit and hilarity ensues. And he is found by the government. He has got like a government handler that's kind of like shield. And he he basically just sort of stumbles through solving crime. And the reason I loved him so much is because he's totally a relatable character in my mind, because it's what would happen if I found a super suit. Like I'd be completely inept at it. Like and he just he would get lucky a lot of times when he would like save the day and it's, it's fun. It's endearing. And he was just like this, it was a cute character. It's a, it's a, it was a show you can watch reruns, I think on Amazon prime. Now, uh, the first, the pilot is like a mini TV mini series movie. It was like an hour and a half long, two hours long. I don't recommend watching that. It's boring. Get to the show itself. The show itself is much funnier and a lot of fun. And so he was mine over 10 because he was like the everyman who to me is like, what would really happen if some schlub became a superhero? You'd, 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 you'd stumble your way through it. Absolutely. And, and I love the choice. And this got the conversation going that impacted my number one, which is we're going to talk later. But don't forget the great theme song from this show from Joey. Oh, Scarber- it's one of the Joey Scarberry. That that theme song, by the way, kids, look it up. Uh, cause I, I don't want to ruin the show with my singing voice. That song made charts in the eighties, like kind of like the friends theme song when friends was huge. It made like pop charts, like the greatest American hero theme song, which was like, believe it or not, I think is the name yep. of the song. Believe it or not. It's just me. It's a, it's a, it's a soft, it's just a little soft, easy listening tune that became a hit. Because of the TV show, Greatest American Hero. It is very much in line with the other types of theme songs from shows during that time. For I mean, it sounds just like anything else. Like you're going to hear from that from that era. So I love the choice, man. It, it's it's and he was so fun because yeah, just watching the intro to the show, him trying to fly and he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He's just crashing into stuff, and uh, he did a great job. Same. So that's my number 10. We'll move on over to Tony with your number 10. My number 10 is George Reeves. Okay. Uh, Uh, He was my number 10, Tony, and I crossed him off for something else. But this, go ahead, man. This this is an interesting call because you're way too young to remember this. When I was growing up, though, I lived with my grandparents when I was a little bit younger for a period of time, which was great. And my grandpa, it was on syndication, so it would come on. And, you know, the first two seasons were black and white. And then I think the last four or five were in color. Um, just kind of seeing the way they would do, you know, they, they used the wires and the cables for the, the taking off and the landing. And then when he was flying, you could clearly see he was laying on something and everything else. But it was kind of like the first thing that is like, one of the first great flying soup, uh, you know, special effects on TV. This is like, you know, the early fifties when it first started. So, uh, the show was sponsored by Kellogg's. <laughs> he actually did a, a public service announcement on some stamp savings thing for schools or something I read about, but yeah, it was a pretty big freaking deal. Um, and, uh, what, you know, uh, the, the intro, you know, uh, Leap tall buildings in a single bound, you know, faster than a locomotive, everything else. Dave, you, you, you know, you, uh, oh, yeah. you said you had it on your list. I did. I mean, and, and I mean, the adventures of Superman with George Reeves was huge when I was a kid because it was still, it was old even back then, but not as old, of course. And, and this is before Christopher Reeve, 
same name, different, you know, not not related, uh, had done his portrayal of Superman. So really all you had at, at, for context was George Reeves' portrayal of, of, of not just Superman, but of Clark Kent. And George was very suave, kind of like a George Hamilton-esque kind of performance that he put on there. Just, you know, very refined, very distinguished. The never Clark Kent, you know, he never got that bumbling sort of mild-mannered reporter vibe from George, but he was pretty good as Superman. And just, you know, I it, it was until until Christopher threw down that performance, which we'll talk about next week, I'm sure. Uh he was George Reese was Superman and I mean and and the actor's story is fascinating, especially the end of his life and as to what actually may have happened or may not have happened big mystery in Hollywood but I love the choice Tony I just I just bumped him because I thought of somebody else at the last minute but it's it's a great he's number 11 on my list yeah it's 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 one of the more he was kind of truly the first television superhero and it is and like you alluded to one of the great mysteries of Hollywood like it ranks right up there with the Natalie Wood story like it's just what the hell happened to George Reeves? So, but yeah, I I remember of all the things he had the jawline, like the the face and the like the like that's really like the superhero face is really what what sealed the deal for me there. And uh, yeah, terrific, terrific, terrific choice, Tony. Uh, quick Superman aside, by the way, I meant to tell us at the top of the show. So the little O'Dowd wanted to watch Man of Steel because it was on HBO Max. And you all know how I feel about Zack Snyder. So I was I was thrilled to put this on. But in the middle of the movie, all of a sudden, the little O'Dowd starts booing the movie. Like, out loud booing the film. And I'm like, dude, why are you booing? He's like, well, because they played this, like, super epic movie, and our music, and all they did was show us a spaceship. That's not epic. This movie's terrible. And I was like, my boy. My boy. That's right. Man of Steel is trash. George Rizzo. Great, great stuff. Dave, you're number 10. Before long, we're going to have two full-grown Patrick O'Dowds walking the earth. Oh, God. There's no hope for us. <laughs> yes! I've never yes! seen him so happy in my life. I'm proud. That's my boy. It's my boy. Until he, until he comes that, out and says, Dad, I, I like Rise of Skywalker better than The Last Jedi. And then, then it's all oh, over. Fuck that shit. I will disown him. He will be cut <laughs> it'll, be, it'll, it'll happen. It'll be somewhere down the road. There'll be just one singular rift. It won't even be something on that big to any of us. But between them, it'll just be devastating. <laughs> I, th- I think it'll be more that he'll say, I like Justice League. <laughs> it's okay. Anyway. Yes. Uh, so my number 10, like, going in with, with my recency bias, is... Uh, is Pedro Pascal's performance of the Mandalorian. That's my number 10. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know... 11 on mine. He would be higher... At, there you go. So we've swapped our 10s and 11s. You know, he'd be higher if you actually saw him more. You know, you hardly ever see his face, but you know it's his portrayal. Uh, and just what he does in the show as far as his progression, especially from season one to season two, and his relationship with Grogu, especially after Grogu gets named... Uh, I, I think Pedro Pascal turned in a tremendous performance in, 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 and maybe that, and maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. The fact that you never see his face until the very end, but yet you find yourself relating to this character on some way. Mandalorians are not generally regarded as heroes, but there's no doubt that Mando is. And I, I think his performance was tremendous. So yeah, he got number 10 on my list. 
Very cool. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I didn't think of any of the Star Wars series when putting this on. Like for some reason, I, I and I, and it's not. And, it, and the thing is, is, I think I've talked about this. Ahsoka Tano is probably one of my honorable mentions. After you get done watching. If you haven't watched Clone, I, I really can't believe how much I've come around on the Clone Wars series, but really, really strongly endorse watching the Clone Wars series if you haven't. And Rebels, checked is, it out. Rebels as well. I mean, they're both tremendous shows. Right. Well, in the Bad Batch, which just dropped their first episode as a connection to Rebels, because Freddie Prince Jr. voices a. He's not a full-on Jedi because he was a Padawan during the Clone Wars when Order 66 was released. His character shows up in the first episode of Bad Batch. And so you get to see how he escaped. And it's it's just kind of neat how they how Filoni brought those series all together. But that's neither here nor not. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't think of Star Wars shows when I did this, though oddly enough, I thought of other sci-fi stuff. Um, Ray's number 10, we're actually going to talk about a little bit later because it's higher on my list. So I'm going to save his number 10 uh, until we get to it. And his number nine was Peggy Carter as played by Haley Atwell on the very brief one season run of, or no, it was two, two seasons, Agent Carter, uh, which got a couple of mini runs on NBC when they were trying to make Marvel series happen on NBC programming. So that was, that was his number nine. Good call. Dave, you're number nine, sir. So yeah, continuing with the recency bias section of my list, uh, my number nine, Sebastian Stan as the winter soldier. Um, I, I dug his performance. It's not as good as the other one that we'll, I'll talk about pretty soon, but you know, I thought he did an excellent job with uh, Falcon and winter soldier or captain America and winter soldier, whatever, whatever have you about the title um, of, of portraying the winter soldier and Bucky's kind of another guy who evolves as the series goes along and kind of comes to terms with who he is, starts to accept what he's done and tries to make amends for that all the while trying to be kind of like the voice of reason to Sam and getting Sam's head as to look, this is why you need to be captain America. Um, I thought, you know, he breaks away here and there to do this stuff with Zemo. And I, I thought that he turned in a really, a little bit of an underrated performance just because of everything else going on in that show. But I thought he did a hell of a job and, and I, I loved his performance or his portrayal of Bucky. So I got him as number nine. Yeah, I think that's a solid number nine. Uh, I agree with you. I think of the of the kind of the quote unquote heroes of the show, he's the one that, like, I love what happened with Sam Wilson and where his character is going. But Bucky was the real highlight for me going through that series. So terrific, terrific choice. IMO. Thank you, Mr. Tony. It's to you. Nine number nine is a character who is alliterative. And it is Darkwing Duck. Let's get dangerous. That's right. It is. It's. I don't know. I. I loved it growing up. I love Ducktales, and then you have the spinoff, you know, and everything else, and the connection from the shows, and Launchpad, and Goslin, and the and the Muddlefoots, and everything else that ensues. It's. It's just. It's a cartoon that is very interesting because they actually create their own like super league of of. Um, uh, superheroes for a couple episodes and things of that. So it's very there, you know, it's from the comic book and everything else. And there's different spinoffs and there's origin stories for as how Drake Mallard became Darkwing Duck and 
Jim Cummings does a great job in the original. I know they did the reboot and everything else, but yeah, for me, Darkwing Duck had to be in my top 10. I wanted to kick things off with George Reeves, and then I wanted to give some love to Drake Mallard, a.k.a. Darkwing Duck. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the spinach that is stuck in your teeth. I am Darkwing Duck. My dad, of all people, loved that show when I would watch it as a kid. He cracked up. And it was the dad joke of the I am the terror that flaps in the night stuff. Like, he just ate that stuff, though, because that was totally his brand of humor. Yeah, all of those Disney action packs. The dogs love them, too. They're not not happy. Yeah, sad for them. The, the the Disney the Disney action packs of, of the afternoons with like them and Ducktales and Tailspin and and all that stuff was just always great. I remember weekday afternoon entertainment. So excellent, no fault there. In in my in my opinion, Tony, excellent excellent choice. Uh, you mentioned it. My number nine from Quantum Leap, Doctor Samuel Beckett, as portrayed by uh, by Scott Bakula, just. I, I was obsessed with this show in, in the late 80s, early 90s about a, a man who is a scientist who discovers a way to travel through time, but he can only travel within his own lifetime and he gets trapped with his consciousness leaping into the bodies of people from the past. And his whole thing is that he has to fix wrongs that happened in the past like he has to fix what went wrong and make things right to to then be able to leap and he's he's stuck and he's trying to make this leap home and in the in the history of television in my opinion it's one of the more unsatisfactory finales due to corporate and tell like they were planning for more seasons and it got cut off its feet got cut off before it could end and you were left with like it's so bleak samuel beckett never leaves home and they imply that he chooses not to leave home but it was like it, it was it was so dissatisfying as a fan of that show because you just wanted to see him him get resolution uh and you know, the show did kind of jump the shark towards the end where Sam Beckett's leaping into famous people. Like he leaps into Dr. Ruth uh, Westheimer at one point. He leaps into Elvis. Or not Elvis. Um, Lee Harvey. Yeah. He leaps into Lee Harvey Oswald at one point. Does he leap into Elvis? I think he did. Uh, and so it just got, it got a little silly towards the end. It's already kind of a silly concept. When it was him just leaping into random people, and kind of fixing small stories. I thought that was such a great narrative to tell. And you guys know me. I like I like positive shows. And that was always a very positive show. Like a good thing would happen and he would move on. Who played Al? Because that was just the one of the better one of the better complimentary characters in. and portrayal of a supporting actor in a in a great sci-fi TV series. He was he was phenomenal phenomenal and the little gadget he had that he would hit all the time and it make the weird noises and they would you know ziggy says the percentage chances of this are blah 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 you know i remember the pool episode is one of my favorites where yep. you know sam sam was horrible at pool and even though he was good at math and he could figure out angles he just sucked so he's like he what did he like devise like a laser system on the table where you hit the ball here this hard and this is where it's gonna go <laughs> right yeah his name was dean stockwell 
Yeah, he was. Um, and yeah, he was a he was a great character actor all the way. But yeah, he, Quantum Leap, which was a, had like a nice little five year run. He was he was awesome as Al. Um, Twenty one on my list. There you go. So that was my number nine. My number eight is my first foray into more modern, modern-ish stuff, and that is Clark Gregg's portrayal of Phil Coulson from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So Phil Coulson got a lot of love because of his role in the Iron Man movies and, and eventually comes to a kind of quote-unquote sad end when he dies when Loki kills him in the Avengers. But everybody knew he was coming back because, again, they were starting this show on ABC. I think I said NBC earlier. It was ABC because Disney. Um, ABC started a show called Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it was led by Phil Coulson. And it was his team. And he pulled together. And I mentioned to Dave somebody else. And I changed my mind because I originally had Quake as the character I was going to go with on here, but Phil Coulson's really the glue and the show is bookended uh, from premiere to end with Phil Coulson moving on with his life uh, as, as an agent of shield. And it's, it's just great, great stuff. He has always been a great actor for Joss Whedon shows. Uh, Joss Whedon being a toolbox, notwithstanding uh, he does cast some really great people. And Clark Craig is one of them. Hell of a hell of an actor. And, he he keeps a lot of that wit and personality that he had from being in Iron Man, Iron Man, or sorry, Iron Man Two, Iron Man, and all of those, and eventually the Avengers. Uh, that carried over into Marvel's Agents of Shield, and um, yeah, so he became my number eight. Nice, good choice. Nice, it's excellent. My number eight, I think, is a, is I know is higher on Ray's list, and I might be higher on some of yours list, and it's kind of a, a dual cast character, and it would be the Incredible Hulk with Bill Bixby and Lou Frigno, very much higher. There you go, Dave. Number eight. So my number eight, again, dabbling into current uh, product and things that we've just recently reviewed, is Paul Bettany as the Vision in WandaVision. So um, heavy on. Disney Plus, oh, it, it gets Disney even worse. <laughs> it gets it gets <laughs> it gets even worse. Um, you know, because I mean I, I love Paul Bettany's portrayal of the vision because he's as and it's it's another one of those portrayals where as the story goes along, the the characterization and the acting gets better and the portrayal gets better, especially with vision as he comes to wrestle with the whole notion that not everything is as it appears. And 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 his own personal journey towards realizing that he's not all that it appears. And and then at the end where he realizes that he's got to go to wherever he's going to go um, so that Wanda, you know, can can move on with her life and get to the next phase and that sort of thing. And and I just loved what he did. I And the vision character is always more complex than what we got in in the movies, you know, and they kind of scratch the surface. So I love that this series was able to flesh out the vision character a little bit more. And I thought Paul did a really, really good job with that character as bringing vision to life as well as you could. So I, I've got him at number eight for me. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Paul Bettany is a hell of an actor and it, and it doesn't even really matter the role. I remember him in a really crappy movie. I think it was called title titled Legion where he's an angel sent down to protect somebody who's some pregnant woman who's got like the antichrist or the next like savior or something like, I don't remember what it was. Um, 
but always, always, just, always is a thousand percent into whatever role that he's taking. Uh, Ray's number eight, we will move forward from because just like PC Tony, he ranked the Hulk slash David Banner. So we will move on to his number seven. His number seven is Batman, but it's the Adam West Batman from that the is definitely higher. Show. Definitely higher. higher on other lists. Did not very much, very high. high. Might be so higher Dave, than you can get. Dave, make your number seven, sir. So with my number seven, funny enough, I'm going right back to WandaVision and giving it to Elizabeth Olsen and her portrayal. <laughs> here. Oh, you're not the only one that would like to give it to Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, oh, man. This is a family rated show. Anyway, uh, I thought I know as we uh, went along and watched WandaVision. Sorry. As we watched WandaVision, I know a lot of us made comments as to Elizabeth Olsen's performance as as Wanda Maximoff and and stuff that she her progression, her journey is I mean, it, it, she did fantastic. You could arguably make the state that this should be higher because uh, she went through the whole progression of being in denial uh the few moments of lucidity that come through where she's confronted with reality and how she reacts to that, her slipping in and out of her fantasy land and then dealing with reality. And then the stuff at the end where she has to confront everything that's happening. Uh, she did a, a tremendous job as far as just bringing all that together and, and, and making it so that you were looking at it from the standpoint of which storyline are they telling? Are they telling house of M are they telling disassembled? Are they telling something completely different? She was able to capture all of those various elements into one series where you never really got an idea as to what was going on. And, and even at the end, you know, and, and she, she portrays crazy really well. She portrays intelligence very well. She just did a tremendous job with that series of just throwing everything out there and, and, and bringing the Scarlet Witch to life. And, and it's another character that, I mean, she was touched on a lot more in the movies, sure, than Vision was, um, especially the scene in Infinity War where she has to kill the person she loves the most. So she didn't need to be as well-developed as I thought Vision did, but she still, you got some real depth to her character. She's obviously going to be very important and integral moving forward in the MCU, and this was a great launching pad, and I feel... You know, Marvel doesn't make bad casting decisions. We've said that a thousand times. Here's another great example of it. So I thought she did a tremendous job with WandaVision. So she gets number seven for me. Couldn't agree. Well, I mean, I'm here. looking yeah. looking forward to seeing these these streaming characters from, you know, WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier in these upcoming movies that we're going to get, right? I mean, we're pretty much guaranteed, you know, each of them continuing forward cinematically. So looking forward to that. Uh, my number seven. My number seven is Joy Van Wade, who played Cyborg on Doom Patrol. And, you know, until Zack Snyder came out and was allowed to tell the whole story of Cyborg, and I think even afterwards, I think this is my favorite portrayal of Cyborg in this incredible series. Uh, Diane Guerrero plays Crazy Jane, or Jane in this series as well. She made my honorable mention at number 15. The The cast in this show is amazing. It's almost like this pick in the top 10 for me is just a dedication to all these people playing this great series of superheroes. And if you haven't seen this, I suggest you do. It's, it's so freaking good and different. April, April Bowlby, uh, Alan Tudyk, Brendan Frazier, Timothy Dalton is in this playing the chief, uh, you know, the head of all these misfit characters. So I just wanted to shout out to, to Mr. Wade and his portrayal of Vic Stone and, and, and 
you know, showing a little bit different side of cyborg that we hadn't seen, uh, recently. So doom patrol couldn't say any more better things about it. I promise it's on my to-do list, honey. It really is. It's on I, mine too. I, it's, it's one of those where it's like, okay, it's now when Brendan, I started. Brendan Fraser should be on this list too for me as, as Cliff Steele. He's like, you know, there's, there's so many good ki- Yeah. I'm, I mean, Timothy, stop. you said You'll, Timothy we'll Dalton, Tony. Timothy Dalton. That's all you got to say. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there. You guys will get there and I'll be more than happy to watch, you know, the first two seasons over and maybe we do season three or something, but it's, it's very good. You won't be disappointed. Much like a, much like a, much like a t-shirt from pro wrestling tees.com forward slash the chair shot. It makes a great gift. I guarantee it. There you go. Nicely done. So my number seven, uh, is a character from a show we've revered, reviewed here on bandwagon nerds, uh, as part of our weekly reviews. And that is William butcher. Oh no. I thought you were going to pick somebody else. Yeah. Great. As portrayed as portrayed by Carl Urban on the boys, the, I don't give a fuck tortured alcoholic. My wife was murdered, but is it really murdered character made an honorable mention amongst Tony's list. 14. He, he is my, like he's my favorite part of the show. He really is. Uh, and just, He's just he he's he's damaged. He's he's awesome. He's angry. He he's compassionate though, and it's just so he's so great in in that character and in that role. And he really brings life to that show. And not that it wouldn't be great without him, but Carl Urban tore it up and. Yeah, he's 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 William Butcher, my num- my number seven. See, and I, and I love the pick, but here's why he didn't make my list. I really struggled characterizing him as a hero because <laughs> he is he's an he, he's he is totally an anti-hero. An- he is, and he does some stuff that's not very heroic for sure. But I, I love the pick, Pat, because I thought really I was like, and I actually like Starlight jumped in my head a little bit when I was doing the list, thinking. Is Annie strong enough of a hero to get in the list? Uh, maybe not, but I love the Billy Butcher pick. That's uh, th- that's right up there. He's he's a different kind of hero. Like you said, anti-hero all the way. Yeah, I had him at 14. I wish we had A.J. Belaz accessible at the moment. He he knows the mon- uh, the dialogue from the uh, Spice Girls uh, pump-up speech. So nice. he, does that, he does that very well with a solid accent. So yeah, 14, and, and it was like down to the last cut to making the top 10 as well. So just a shout out to that series in general. I guess. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a heck of a heck of a series. My number six heading into heading into the turn is another modern series. It's one that again, I've, uh, I've mentioned on this show more than once. And that is sister night as portrayed by Regina King from HBO series, the Watchmen, which is the Uh-oh. Pat Rose there for a second. I think it's also on, uh, Ray's list, if, uh, if we can, it? if I remember seeing Ray's list there, but uh, we're gonna have to ad lib until Pat gets back, honey. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Let me uh, let me go back up here. Is it on Ray's list? It, it's. I'm trying to. I mean, I want Pat to talk about it because wait, there he is, back, sort of. Are you back? Yeah, yeah like you. Yeah, I think so. You froze, then, or I froze, and then unfroze, and then refroze. I don't know what happened to my internet there. I love technology. It's so great. It's the best part of podcasting. So 
I was out for a little bit. I barely got into this when I noticed that that you were froze out. But I was talking about uh, Regina King's portrayal of Sister Knight from Watchmen, which was a f- loose follow up to the original comic book, a la sort of the movie. Hey, she played like she plays this character, Sister Knight, who works with uh, the police force. She is the one who is really kind of caught up in the middle of everything that's swirling around with people lashing back against superheroes in this universe within the context of, you know, racism. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of the the tension between police and and people of color that goes throughout this show, though done with the allegory of uh, of superheroes. She's amazing. She's phenomenal. She deserves an Emmy for it. Um, she won't get it, but uh, love it. Love her role. Love her portrayal. And was pleasantly surprised by the show in general. And and her performance really carries that. So I don't know if you commented anything on it before I got to that, but that was that was my number six. No, we were just checking to uh, see if Ray had it on his list or not. And uh, yeah, I I heard heard great things about the series. Obviously, she is a very, very uh, talented actress and, and, you know, great mind for these kind of things. So it's something that's on my to-do list as you guys speak of. Excellent. So, Tony, to you for your number six, sir. My number six is Linda Carter. And it figures that might be higher on Dave's list. So Dave, yeah, that's, you're number that's, six. That's, that's Dave's wet dream. What are you doing there? Hell yeah, man. <laughs> well, I had to go through the motions. That's um, what she said. So my number six, I just wanted to say, I didn't have him on my list, but as soon as uh, Patrick mentioned Billy Butcher, Henry Cavill as Geralt Arivia jumped into my head. Oh, that's God, on, that's on you, Tony's list. Okay, You cool. and Henry Cavill. Good He's my man. on my list. Okay. Well, good. Then I feel better that he's not on my wedge for David Ungar, Henry Cow, baby. Uh, No. So my number six is the last of my modern stuff. And it's uh, Anthony Mackie as the Falcon slash Captain America from the show. We just got done. Uh, Talk about another guy. And and all these are are just um, portrayals of guys who evolved as the series went along, especially him, where he's coming to grips with the whole notion of, of not just what it means to be Captain America, but what it means to be a black Captain America in this world and, and his beginnings of the whole thing where I'm not worthy to step into Steve Rogers, you know, to take the shield to at the end where it's like, I have to step into this role and save everybody from themselves and get this away from John Walker and, and try and save the world. And, and yeah, I mean, we've talked about the speech that he does in the final episode where where I had some issues about it. And then the more I watch it back, the more comfortable I am with it. I just thought his, his journey, his portrayal of, you know, what he does so well is that by the end of it, where he is captain America, you no longer look at him as Falcon anymore. I look at him now. That's captain America to pull that off in six episodes. Like he did is a phenomenal Testament to just how strong a performance Anthony did in this show. Um, Maybe a little bit underrated by a lot of standards, but I love what he did in, in the in the series. He is Captain America now for me, and 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 to make everybody almost universally accept him, given the state of the world and everything that's going on, that's a tremendous testament to his performance. So I feel good about him as number six. That's a solid number six. Uh, again, the the ladies and gentlemen, the David Ungar top six or top five superheroes <laughs> from Disney Plus. 
brought to you here today on the bandwagon. No, it's it's yeah, he he did a great job. I I again I would have I had Sebastian Stan as the as the higher of the two, but both of them did a did a terrific terrific job there. Ray's number six before we go into commercial break was uh, Daredevil as per- portrayed by Charlie Cox. Um, I I um I don't know. Like I liked I liked Daredevil a lot. Um, I I think that he was at his best when he was working off of Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin. Uh, and of course, then there's that, and there's the big hallway fight scene in the first season that everybody loves because it's just it's one of the best choreographed fight scenes that we've seen in a long time. Um, but of the characters that that made the the Netflix Marvel series, he's the one that's got the most buzz about coming back uh, as, as reportedly as early as Spider Man. So we may see Charlie Cox back under the red glasses sooner rather than later. All right. So that's our 10 through six. When we come back, we will bring, we will break down our five to number one plus Patrick O'Dowd as a question. You're listening to bandwagon nerds on the chair shot radio network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Before we go to the recorded commercials, of course, it is my job to remind you to head over to pro wrestling forward slash the chair shot and pick up a chair shot dot com shirt whether that is an og chair shot logo whether it's any number of the great designs we have from our various podcasts including this one including a winner is you whether it's one of our catchphrases like hashtag journalism save tag team wrestling or everyone hates craig there's all kinds of great stuff out there and it helps keep us going week in and week out every day we are giving you three to four podcasts a day everyone and we can't keep that going unless we have support from our listeners and the best way you can support us is by heading over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot nice buns soft fluffy and ultra low net carbs discover hero bread the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture hero bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving plus high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving order from hero.co now and get 10 percent off your first purchase with promo code ah10 that's 10 percent off with code ah10 h-e-r-o promotional consideration paid for by the following hey folks pc tony here thanks to our new partnership with angry lemonade you can save 10 percent on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code chairshot head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services use the promo code chairshot to save 10 percent. that's angrylemonade.net are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe brands like progress wrestling evolve wrestling combat zone defy pcw ultra pwx over the top shine and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month get your free trial today at powerslam.tv go to powerslam.tv promo code chair shot get your free month again that's powerslam.tv promo code chair shot the 
always use your head. And that hot garbage was brought to you by Patrick O'Dowd. It is inability to manage commercials. Welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds. I apologize, everyone. I'm having a day. But we are back. We are ready to bring the back end of the hero uh, project for television here uh, for television hero category. We've got raise number five, which I have a sneaking suspicion might be higher, maybe not, on, on another person's list. And that's The Flash, Grant Gustin, higher on Tony's list as I guessed. That turns it over to Dave. Dave, you're number five, sir. All right. So we're out of the modern era and now we are moving back in time and old school, old school, baby. Uh, Number five is Adam West is Batman, which I'm guessing. Yep. I thought so. And that was based on Tony's gesturing earlier in the show. Not because he's on my list because oddly enough, he's not Tony. You're number five. My number five is Tom Welling in Smallville. I think that's on Ray's list. Um, higher on Ray's list by one. And he's not going to comment on it. So if you just want to talk about it, I think that works. Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's Superman. It's Clark Kent growing up. It's him in high school. Um, it, the, the crush is Lana Lang, not Lois Lane. It's the girl next door. You know, he's still into reporting for the school newspaper. You, Michael Rosenbaum plays one of the best, best Lex Luthers ever bar movie uh tv streaming whatever in my opinion so if you haven't seen the series it's it's a little soap opera ish but i enjoyed it um honestly I, it, it was out when i was in college and rooming with three other guys in a duplex and the our neighbors were four girls so we would all get together and watch this show every week so it uh it, it was a fun time, and I thought he did a great job as Superman. His parents as well in the series. Um, trying to remember who played them. Uh, I'm sorry. John Schneider. Um, and then uh, who plays his mom? Oh, Annette O'Toole. So very uh, well done series if you've never seen it before. Which was the Alana Lang in the Superman movie, uh, Superman 3, right? Yes. Yes, we're trying to forget that one existed. No, that one's not. That was not so bad. Hey, it's not Richard Pryor's fault that that, show, that movie was bad. No, it's not. The the guy who it, it the villain was the dude from the Marquis Salomon commercials uh, out here in Massachusetts. That's what I remember. One eight hundred one one. It is a great concept that rounding up shit that they do with acorns now. You know, just send it to my account. So. You know, it's it's funny because that movie also, as we do this tangent, one of my favorite gags in Office Space because that's the computer virus that they mess up because it was supposed to be rounding the the decimal points and he was actually rounding actual rounding actual dollars. Exactly what I was thinking about, Patrick, and it kind of reminds me of um, Elon Musk hosted Saturday Night Live last night, and while yeah, there were some skits that weren't great, there were some things that were absolutely freaking hilarious he came on a uh, weekend update as the doge daddy and tried to explain what dogecoin was and uh you know they basically figured out that it's a scam so there you go very much so okay so that brings it to my number five which we still haven't heard from a couple of other people on this panel so i know it's higher on their list but my number five was david banner slash the hulk from the incredible hulk i'm just gonna move forward to my number four 
which was Logan slash Wolverine as voiced by Cal Dodd from X-Men, the animated series. Now, he was number 10 on Ray's list. And you have heard me. I have talked on this program when we did the uh, the Saturday morning cartoon project. The X-Men, the animated series, made my list. And Cal Dodd brought this gravelly voiced Canadian accented character to Wolverine that I can't read a comic and not hear his voice when I read Wolverine in comic books. Like that's how ingrained that character really became. And he was just, he was exactly what I expected to hear from Wolverine. And I like that series was really, really good. I watched it every morning. I love that it's on Disney, Disney plus now, and I can watch it on Disney plus anytime I want because, you know, it was really steeped in the Chris Claremont storylines and all that. And Wolverine is a big, like he's, he's a focal point because he was such a popular character and Cal Dodd really brought that to life and, and made that and made that what it was. So that's my number four. Good choice. My number four. You my number four know. is once again, Superman. And this time it's Dean Kane. I ah, remember the Wilson Clark. Yes, yes. And Terry Hatcher playing Lois, um, Lane Smith playing Perry White. You had Kate Callan and Eddie Jones playing his parents, John Shea, Lex Luthor. It was it was just a I don't know, it, it kind of it started Superman over again after the movies, right? And brought it back to TV like we hadn't seen in how many ever years. So I enjoyed it. I thought Dean Kane did a good job and obviously Terry Hatcher was very nice to look at. So it was uh it was an interesting take. It was a little bit more about obviously Lois and Clark than Superman in general. That show stayed on the air way longer than I ever thought it would. Well they got four was, seasons out of it. Right. I thought it would make a season and a half. I really did because yeah. it was like they were trying to do because wasn't the original premise very much a very like will they won't they get together thing before they eventually do get together in the show or am I misremembering that? That's pretty close to the first season issue. Right. So like once they get together, that's always kind of the big thing. It's like you look at moonlighting, right? When they finally get together in moonlighting, all the magic goes away. That's that's always the big challenge with those kind of shows, but credit to Dean Kane. And he was surprisingly solid. He was, I, I he was a great Clark Kent and was it like, and, you know, kind of the opposite of George Reeves. Like George Reeves is a better Superman than Clark Kent. I think Dean Kane was a better Clark Kent than he was a Superman. Not that he was a bad Superman by any stretch, but he definitely fit the Clark role very, very well. Good choice. There we go. man. Yeah, that's great. Dave. So my number four is, a little bit higher on Ray's list. And it's somebody who Patrick O'Dowd just it, it, quoting Patrick O'Dowd. <laughs> fuck Rick Grimes. Cause my number four is Andrew Lincoln's portrayal of Rick Grimes from the walking dead. He's number three on Ray's list. I, I, I so, and here's the, here's the thing. We've already covered Ray's number four. His number three is Rick Grimes. So let's, we're right into your number four. We'll, we'll talk about Rick Grimes and then you can just go into your number three. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> and and I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I'm sure Patrick is going to explain why he dislikes Rick Grimes so much. But this guy was the backbone for, what, eight and a half seasons of The Walking Dead? He was the hero. He was the protagonist. He was the guy who kept everything together. And and I thought, 
I thought Andrew Lincoln's job, I mean, for so many years before I actually heard him talk, I never would have known he was Australian until he actually spoke. And you're like, oh my God. But I thought his portrayal of, of Rick as, as, as fairly close to the comics as you can get. I didn't like the fact that he never lost his hand. I get why he never lost his hand. It added, you know, that would have been a little bit difficult to pull off in the TV show. But I thought he, he did, he portrayed Rick Grimes really well as far as Rick's just trying to push this community forward, making mistakes along the way, being arrogant to the point that Negan capitalizes at that one season where Glenn and Abraham die and that sort of thing. But I, 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 I mean, you know, I just, I love Rick and what he, what he did. I didn't agree with everything he did. That's for sure. But I thought Andrew Lincoln's portrayal of Rick Rhymes was as close as you're going to get to the comics with what they were allowing him to do. So I'd like to hear from you as to why you dislike him. I dislike him because of the way that he was forced to be portrayed by because of the script and because you're trying to keep an episodic television show going and the number of times, and this is my ultimate problem with the walking dead in general. Like I, I think in the chat, I was like Carol for the win, but every single character in the walking get dead protagonist has to make just some of the most absolute asinine and stupid decisions in order for the show to keep going forward in the way that it does. You've been critical and, of Carol about that numerous times. Right. And Rick is, is just as bad. Um, and it's not Andrew Lincoln's fault and it's not even necessarily, I mean, it's the character's fault in the sense, but it just made it hard for me to like, like as a, as somebody watching the show and being like, this is the right answer. Everyone knows this is the right answer. But because we need to have a story, we're going to make the absolute worst answer. Like, we're going to take the worst decision. And I get it. That's part of television. It's the same thing when you watch a horror movie, right? Like, a horror movie, you know the right answer. You know what you're not supposed to do. I mean, one of my favorite Geico commercials ever is the teenagers running away, and they're like, where should we go? I think we should hide behind the tool shed with all the sharp knives. And then this, you know, the woman's like, I think we should just take the car that, or the running car. And they look at her like, no, why would we do that? It's the same thing. And so I, I don't hate Rick um, so much as I hate the way that they've had to, the way that they have to portray all of those characters to kind of keep their story going. And, and it's funny because I still watch walking dead. Like, even pandemic season, which is really kind of weird. Um, I still watched it. I still stayed up with it. So I, I'm sorry. Like, but yeah, of, of the characters, Carol, Carol slash Daryl, who wasn't even in this, who isn't even in the comic. Um, those are, those are the two that, that always did it for me. Yeah. It's, it's a, and I'm curious, I, I'm hoping that we get the Rick movies. I want to see what they do with that. I'm I'm into season nine now. Finally, I, I got to that point, so I'm at Rick's final episodes. Uh, so I'm curious to see what they do with that. But yeah, it's it's one of those shows, especially from personally, because that's my me and my wife when we first got together, we bonded over that show. That was one of the shows that we watched every season up to the point that the tiger got killed, and and you know she said, "I'm out of here. I'm out." But anyway, that notwithstanding, uh, my number three is we've talked about it. Everybody's talked about it. So I guess it's time to talk about it. It's the combination of Bill Bixby as David Bruce Banner and Lou Ferrigno as the Incredible Hulk, which we mentioned yesterday, Pat. We can't really separate the two. The two performances are so intertwined with each other. It is the yin and the yang. And and, I mean, these guys did such a masterful job for what they had to work with in the late 70s, early 80s with the technology that they had and, and just 
the dichotomy of of what Bill Bixby did with David Bruce Banner and what Lou Ferrigno did with the Incredible Hulk was nothing short of magic. And they did that for what a few years, several spin-off movies. I absolutely loved the show. Thought it was probably one of the, if not the greatest TV superhero based TV show of all time. Um, I'll yield to you guys because I know they're on everybody's list as to your thoughts about it. But yeah, I thought Bill Bixby was magnificent. And Lou, as well as you could. I mean, you compare Lou Ferrigno's Incredible Hulk to like modern Mark Ruffalo's Incredible Hulk. And they're, you know, okay. <laughs> the modern standards, okay, that looks like the Incredible Hulk. Again, doing with what they could do at the time. For a long time, that was the Hulk, Lou Ferrigno's portrayal of him. But I, I turned it over to you guys for your thoughts. Yeah, I had it. I had it number eight. Um, it's it's a cool one to have on your list because you don't just have one person playing the character, right? And and like you said, the way they shot Ferrigno and and the green tone they got on him and the hair they gave him and the way they ripped the clothes up. But you know, Lou made a career out of it, and Lou was Lou had his challenges as well that he had to get over, and he did, and he and he accomplished them and became successful. He went on to have a great. Um, accompanying role on king of queens as an actor that's pretty well known but yeah i mean when you think of great tv series with superheroes on them the incredible hulk with bill bixby and lou ferrigno comes to mind almost instantaneously right synonymous with the incredible hulk is his ferrigno like we, we in pro wrestling we always when we talk about characters there's always like larger than life characters larger than life figures Lou Ferrigno was larger than life as the Hulk. Like when that change happened and he was like, who cared that, who cared that the wig was bad or that the contact lenses, you know, were, were a little different or a little off. He, it was exactly what I pictured a real Hulk would look like. And he would throw the cards. And then you juxtapose that with this gentle, calm portrayal by Bill Bixby of, David Bruce Banner because we were scared of the name Bruce for whatever reason. And it was just, it was beautiful. It was perfect. It was very well done. And, you know, it's it's just even the show itself, like some of the, like there's so many homages that have come from that show. Probably one of the most famous ones is Family Guy. Uh, Family Guy once did a tribute to the end credits music, the walking music with uh, Stewie walking along like a deserted highway playing the, the, the wanderer music that used to always play at the end of every episode of the incredible Hulk. It was just great, great stuff. And I remember like when Bill Bixby passed away, like that was, that was, that was what people talked about in regards to him was his portrayal as, as David Banner. So yeah, it clearly was important to all four of us as we all had him on the list and yeah, I can't, can't argue where he was. He was throughout. So clearly one of our favorites across the band. And, and you made the mention of the contacts, but I mean, when, when the change took place, when Bill's eyes lit up and the contacts were in there and you knew the change was coming, it really amped up everything at that moment. You're like, Oh shit, here we go. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting real. Yeah. It's getting, shit's getting real here. My number three is not another portrayal of Superman. By the way, three of them made it into my top 10. But my number three is someone who's known for portraying Superman. It is none other than The Witcher and the great job that Henry Cavill does playing Geralt of Rivia. And the anticipation I have for season 
What do we got? Three coming up here? Two. 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 I'm sorry. I've got that confused with lock and key. Lock and key, we're waiting on three, right? Two. Two. Good good God. <laughs> Where gonna... are these series? I want them. Umbrella Academy's three and the boys. Oh, uh, I gotta catch up with them. Okay, the boys. Umbrella Academy, I gotta get on uh like you guys gotta do Doom Patrol. But I, I mean, this series, when we when we jumped onto this, you, we were all just enthralled with it, right? Like, the casting, the story, the portrayal. Um, I, I would love, who plays his squire? Who's the squire, the singing squire or whatever? Do you remember him? Yes, the bard. He, he is one of the, one of the better, better freaking characters in this. Uh, the female lead is awesome as well. It's been so long. Obviously, I can't remember whether it was one or two seasons. But Dave... You had it on the list. I mean, Henry Cavill does a great job. You you know, you think about the video game too, not just the story. And he, he does, he's A1. It's perfect. I should have had him on my list and I didn't think about it until Pat mentioned B- Billy Butcher. And the reason I didn't have it is because in my opinion, that Geralt's sort of like Butcher, not exactly heroic per se, anti-hero-ish in some way, probably a little bit more heroic than Butcher is. But um, yeah, I, I mean, to take... You know, we talked about when we did the nerd review for Mortal Kombat and and the difficulty of translating a video game into anything on screen that's worth a shit. And 95% of the time they fail. The Witcher's the one time they actually got it right and hit an absolute home run. So you've got to give them credit for that, that they took. And I mean, the Witcher storyline from the from the games is loosely in the in the show. And I think season two is going to introduce more of that element to it and expand that world a bit. But yeah, I mean, Henry Cavill's performance, because so many people were down on him because of Man of Steel and Justice League. And it's just like the guy can't act. And then you watch what he does here. and You're like, oh, shit, he actually can act and he can act really well. And well, he makes the biggest biggest thing to support theory is you don't think about superman at all right while he's playing witcher right you don't see you know? superman right you don't see him no. at all in, the, in I mean, that performance whenever you see henry winkler you think of the fonz no matter what but that doesn't the, he doesn't have the either, suffer from the fonz either that or, either that or coach klein one or the other coach <laughs> well let's let's even take it a step back we just talked about lou ferrigno like lou ferrigno you think hulk first like you just do so uh yeah i yeah, I, I don't know. Again, Henry Cavill and The Witcher just wasn't like partially just didn't even come to my brain, which I think is what makes doing this list so great is that there's so much out there that you can choose from. Uh, the The guy's name was Justin Beatty, I do believe was the, uh, the the bard's name. He was only in like half the episodes, which I think was was interesting because he's there early and then he disappears for a little bit and comes back. Uh, word of my number three. Right. Is that where we are? My number three is from the HBO animated series Todd McFarlane's Spawn, and that is Spawn, as portrayed by Keith David, one of the great voices ever. That deep, rich, menacing voice. Most people remember Keith David from his role in They Live and his 10-minute fight with Roddy Piper. I love him in this characterization of spawn and he you know that show only lasted three seasons it was six episodes a season but they were great and for me his his portrayal of spawn again just just like what i was talking about with cal dodd and logan i can't 
extract the character. When I read the character, I hear Keith David's voice. And it's this deep, menacing, angry, vengeful voice acting of Spawn and, and, and that character. And it's so, so great. And, you know, that series is probably what got me into more adult animation, like anime and, and harder stuff like that. It's, it's, what, it's what Invincible is now. Or was they are what Invincible is now in terms of just not they didn't shy away from the violence of it all. They didn't shy away from the characters, the sex, the whole thing. It's all there. And Keith David, you know, he carries that show all 18 episodes. He was easily my favorite. My number two. Oh, go ahead, Dave. Did no, you no, saw I, I just it's it's like until you mentioned it, I didn't realize that show was a thing. So I've never seen it. I need to go check that out. Yep. HBO Max, all all three seasons are on HBO Max. My number two uh, is another Joss Whedon character. Uh, it's Buffy Summers from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, and if all anybody ever knows about Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the the movie with Christy Swanson, it's it's unfair to the character in the story. And again, Joss Whedon is a dick and is not a good person, but he made a really good television show. And Buffy was such a terrific character, Sarah Michelle Gellar, in that role. To watch her grow from season one through season seven, where they finished, to where she is kind of a a little bit of a high school head in the clouds sort of character that doesn't want to be a slayer, to you know, to where she is at the end, where she's sacrificing her power. And giving it to all the potential Slayers in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe so that they could all fight the forces of evil around Hellmouth is amazing. It's fantastic. Um, her character dies and comes back. And they talk about, like, they, they have an episode where she talks about she felt like her, she felt like she had done her job and was ripped back and then wrestling with that and wrestling with taking care of her sister when her mother dies. It's Sarah Michelle Geller is a hell of an actor and doesn't, I, you know, I think a lot of people kind of dismiss her, but her role as Buffy. She was amazing. And, and is my number two. I, I like to pick, I have a good friend who's in love with this series and Sarah Michelle Geller since forever. Um, another great, uh, character portrayal and, and good job casting is Mark, Mark Metcalf as the master in, in that show is excellent. Right. As well. Very first season. Yeah. Uh, he's Milwaukee ties from him. And I've trust me, I'm still efforting him. Uh, we get him on and talk to him about some of the great things he's done in his career as well. There's some people that I know that know him. So best believe I'll be working on that. Yeah. I, I love the pick Pat. Uh, it's a show that I have not watched as much of as I probably should. Uh, but it's something I'd want. I, it, I'd love to go there, back and check it out because I know it's better than I've probably preconceived it to be. Well, it's it's funny. Once it got it's the first season, it struggled because it was kind of hokey. You know, it was very w, you know it was like a WB series, um, and you know as they kind of found their special effects and everything. But there's a their fourth season. There's an episode called Hush, which is widely regarded. It was nominated for Emmys. Widely regarded as one of the best show episodes of the series if not the best where these demons um steal everybody's ability to talk and everybody is communicating through various levels of sign language and pantomiming and buffy has to stop them from taking the hearts of seven people uh 
in order to get everybody's voice back. And it's it's a terrific, terrific show. It's very, very well done. Great episode. I could there's, speak forever on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I so. know there's an episode that's a musical. <laughs> and I know I've that's seen that one. one. Well, and that's the one where that's the one where she reveals because she dies at the end of season five at the end of that episode, she reveals to all of them that they plucked her out of heaven, that they assumed she went and was living a life of torment. And because they were selfish and took her back, um, she is now wrestling with what she thought was her fulfillment. So, I, yeah, yeah, I could talk about this all day. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop and let let Tony get to his number two um, because I don't want to bore you on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. My number two is Grant Gustin as the Flash. He's not number one. Um, I want to shout out to a couple people on the CW series: uh, Daniel Panabaker as Caitlin Snow slash Killer Frost is phenomenal and tom cavanaugh as harrison wells is excellent and uh carlos valdez cisco ramon as well but it's just a great series and he does a great job because if you think about the flash and here's my favorite part why he's so high on my list and maybe why i like this so much is the flash is the paragon of love and this series shows that off more than anything else of what he is supposed to be as the flash in doing what is right, no matter what the odds are. Like there was a recent episode this season where they had to, uh, the speed force, they had to make it artificially because he had lost it, you know, for a second. And it turned him into a robot where he just did the best probabilities because it was a computer combined with speed force capabilities. And he forgot about being the paragon of love and thinking about he'd do anything, no matter what the odds were to save the people that he loved. And that's what really comes across in this show. And I just enjoy the effects and everything else, the, the fights and the battles and all the different villains in this show. It's, it's really brought me back to caring about superheroes and the time that I've watched this and the casting and, you know, the, all the villains, like I said, and then bringing in new characters along the way. But Grant Gustin, just great job as the Flash. Kind of ruined the Flash for me and all other aspects. But at the same time, I still enjoy the character nonstop. He was listed at number five on Ray's list as well. So not alone on that. It's a show that I've started a couple of times with a little O'Dowd because the Flash is a character that he really likes uh, and enjoys watching, though he's kind of moved on. He's moved away from superheroes as of late, so it's been a little bit harder to to settle in and watch stuff. But I've heard nothing but good stuff. I mean, I gotta let him have his own pursuits, you know? He hates Zack Snyder movies, so I feel like I've succeeded uh, on some level. <laughs> My boy! So, I, I have not watched enough of the Flash series, but everything that Tunney says about this series, and I've heard him say it many times, and including right here, is that this series is more true to the Flash of the comics than anything that we've gotten. Except, I think, Ezra Miller's performance in the Snyder Cut was more Flash-like, moving in move the needle in that direction. Would you agree with that, Tony? Yeah, I mean, early on, it's it's a little bit different take as well. I mean, I guess we haven't really fleshed that whole character out, you know? I mean, they did, that didn't get the love that Cyborg did kind of with the backstory. I know it's got its own movie coming out, so we might see more of that, you know, Iris and Joe West and things of that nature. So cool. more Central City absorbed. There you go. I'm in. So, I just want to say here real quick, Can I, before, if, who's next? Dave, you're going to your number two? 
before we get to your number two and then back around to our number ones, Stephen Amell, I wanted to shout out as Arrow is phenomenal. Well, number two on that was, that was, uh, That's number two on Ray's list. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I guess we'll get to that. And then um, uh, Melissa Benoist as 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 Karen uh, as Karen Danvers, uh, Supergirl, has been fucking phenomenal on CW as well. Kudos to CW. Sorry, just had to throw that out there. Yeah, and, and I mean, to be honest, I wish I'd watch more because I know there are people on Titans who probably warrant some consideration on this list, but I haven't seen. And I just didn't want to do that, put people on here that I've only seen tangentially. And and especially like because my number two, you know, going along those lines, my number two is Wonder Woman. It's Linda Carter. She's my number two, uh, you know, and with all due respect to Gal Gadot, who is highly likely to make an appearance next week on my on my list. Uh, Linda Carter is Wonder Woman and, and has been Wonder Woman and and was so iconic as Wonder Woman that it likely prevented a Wonder Woman movie from being made for decades, at least two decades, because they were like, who do we put into this role who can kind of match Linda Carter's charisma, her portrayal of this of this iconic one of the big three of the DC universe. And I think that people just didn't feel up to a certain point. We can't get anybody to match Linda until Patty Jenkins says, I don't want to match Linda. I need to do something that's different from Linda. So here's Gal. And Gal did such a great job that you get the Linda Carter cameo in Wonder Woman. Was it Wonder Woman 1984? You got the Linda Carter cameo. But for ever, Linda Carter was Wonder Woman and, and, and had done such a tremendous performance as her that it was generally considered um you couldn't replace it. You couldn't replicate it. So why bother trying? That's the kind of performance that it's like, wow, how do you really, <laughs> how do you really top that? And, and I mean, yeah, she was, she was magnificent as wonder woman and, and the series was phenomenal. And I just, I can't say enough about her. So yeah. What dream notwithstanding <laughs> she's, she's number two. <laughs> she's number two on my list because it is wonder just woman. exactly. I mean, the song, the magic lasso, the performance, the just, I, I, and like I said, I don't mean to harp on it. She knocked it out of the park so far that I think everybody was scared to even try for a very long time. So I give Patty Jenkins a lot of credit and DC, a lot of credit for finally taking that risk and going down and doing something different because Gal's not the biggest girl in the world. That's for damn sure. Well, dude, it had been like, what, 50 years? 40 years? 40 years, yeah. 40 years? I think it was going to be okay. I'll think, like, it's big shoes, but it ain't that big of shoes. So where are we on this list now? Drink, Patrick O'Dowd's lost. Are we to raise, raise number, number two? two? Raise number so two. raise number two with Stephen Amell. Uh, and his portrayal of Green Arrow. I'm going to save uh, Ray's number one because his number one and my number one are the same. So that I'll turn it over to you, Dave, and your number one. So my number one, as I indicated, was after Patrick had indicated his choice for Last American Hero, it jumped into my head who had to be my greatest number, greatest hero. American hero. It, it jumped into my head who my number one had to be. This is the character that probably influenced me and turned me into a nerd more than anybody else when I was a kid. This was the show that I went, this was the big show for me. It is Lee Majors as a $6 million man. That's my number one. You know, I almost put Lee on there and, and almost went with the $6 million man because that, I mean, oh God. I mean, the introduction of that. I mean, remember the introduction? Steve Austin, a man. We can't rebuild them. I mean, have the technology. 
that is so iconic. And I mean, I heard that so many times and, and just and, and from a wrestling standpoint, there is a tie to the pro wrestling because of the episodes with Bigfoot, who was played by Andre the Giant. So you've got that. Yep. And shout out to Lindsay Wagner's a bionic woman who did fine in that role. Not nearly as iconic as, as Lee's performance, but the bionic woman stories were certainly not as engrossing as I thought the $6 million man. I mean, there's some with the, the Bigfoot stories, the one with the droid or the probe from Mars that crashes back to earth and all the problems he has with that. And I just, I mean, this show was the biggest influence to me as a kid. And Lee majors was, he was this shit, man. I mean, before Stone Cold Steve but, Austin existed, it was Colonel Steve Austin. Can, can I just tell you, again, we talk about where, you know, a show has an impact on an, and an influence when it shows up in other television shows. Now, I've, I've talked about on here, one of my favorite sitcoms of all time is, is the series Scrubs, which um, the lawyer, Ted, has a group of people. It's just shove it up your ass, Tony. I don't care that you like, you hate Scrubs. I don't get it. It's a great show. But, um, the, the lawyer Ted leads a an acapella band called the Worthless Peons, and their whole music catalog at one point in the show is theme songs from other television shows. And one of the ones that they do is the theme song to the Six Million Dollar Man. So Ted is doing the whole "We Can Rebuild Him, We Have the Technology," and they're to and the rest of the band is acapelling the the music behind him. And when they get to the shinnanananana part, he like turns and looks at one of the guys and he's like, your shinnanananas should be louder. And he just like, he like totally like no sells their ability. It's hilarious. And that's the thing is that the show has that influence uh, that it carries over in other things. It's like what you see out of the family guy and, and, and the incredible Hulk. So and there's been yeah, rumors of the movie them making this into a movie. Of course, $6 million probably taking inflation into consideration. $6 billion man would be more appropriate, Sure, but I, I would love to see them do that into a movie. Cause even by modern, I mean, 2021 standards, we still don't have bionics anywhere close to what they portrayed from 73 to 78. So give me the movie. I'm ready. Excellent. Wonderful choice. Very old school. Tony, you're number one, sir. My number one, when you think of television and superheroes, you think of Adam West as Batman, and you can't really argue that whatsoever. It was hokey. It was fun. There were the names of the names coming in to play the villains on that show. Adam West, he, man, I, I, if, I think if you put him to a lie detector test at some point during that run, he would have past saying i'm batman he, he believed he was batman right and there's so much behind the scenes from this show and you know I, when i think about it i think about thwap and and uh you know bam and boof and everything else and the way they cast it so shout out to adam west i mean i i loved him on family guy as well and uh right. you know he just continued to be batman he continued to hold that mantle and go to whatever he could go to. You know, he was not afraid to let you know that he would still go somewhere and be Batman for you. He really set a stage for a lot of other people's portrayals of Batman in the sense that for the longest time, that portrayal of Bruce Wayne slash Batman was always one of kind of an even keel sort of like he didn't get flapped like or, or frustrated or raise his voice and you know, and Adam West, like he was just always very 
matter of fact, you know, this is what's going to happen, Robin, and blah, 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 blah. And he was always like, he never really was alarmed. And you saw that then carry like I I remember Michael Keaton, like he he was channeling his own work as Batman. But I think that he took a lot from Adam West as that sort of calm demeanor, soft voiced character. You know, it wasn't until Christian Bale decided to put gravel in his throat and sort of change the way that you talk. Because my number one is also a Batman portrayal, and it's done in much the same way. Um, you're right. It was campy. I used to watch the the movie. that, that Oh, where, sure. Yeah. Where, where, where they all got together and disintegrated times. The, what, their version of the United Nations. And... You know, there's that moment where they're they're on a rope ladder with a helicopter and there's a shark attached to him and he's yelling up to Robin, Robin, toss me the shark repellent. And he, you know, it's like a spray bottle that just has a shark repellent written on there that he's because the utility belt had everything. Like, yeah, Adam West, when he got when he finally got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, that was that was a great, great, great thing for him. And before you go to your number one, because I know it's it's Batman related as well. It's a, it's a different Batman. Yep. The important thing to remember is that Batman has evolved over the years as much as the, as the TV characters have. And Adam West's portrayal, that's how Batman was being portrayed. Very campy. Nothing like the darker versions of Batman that we will see in the, what, the late 70s, early 80s. By the time Michael Keaton's Batman comes along or Christian Bale's portrayal or something like that. But yeah, Adam West's portrayal was that's what Batman was back then. And a lot of people don't realize that he was very campy. He was very lighthearted. There was a lot of people who didn't like that variation of Batman. A lot of people who loved it. But Adam West was masterful at it. And, you know, that TV show introduced the first Batmobile that you really got to see, which, you know, the Mark Wahlberg's character buys in Rockstar and all that sort of thing. But it's uh, it's a tremendous show. And it was just, it was just so much fun. And I was a kid when that w- was out. So yeah, when I was a kid, I had like Batman and Six Million Dollar Man going on. So that's why I'm so fucked up. I mean, awesome. Sorry. Tune in Sorry. next time. Same bat time. Same bat channel. Ah, uh, always those cliffhangers. Good, good stuff. Excellent pick. No fault there. My number one. It was also Ray's number one. And interestingly enough, is also a Batman. But it's an animated Batman, and it is the voice of the animated Batman from the original Batman the Animated Series, Kevin Conroy. And for me, if there was something, I I think even when it happened on Band, I think I mentioned it either in the Bandwagon Nerds chat or on the show. When that series hit HBO Max, lost my damn mind. Because that show was the cutting edge of Warner Brothers animation and set up everything that they did in the future. And that starts at the portrayal of Kevin Kevin Conroy and his portrayal of Bruce Wayne slash Batman. And, you know, it came out after the second Tim Burton movie and it channeled a little bit, uh, it channeled that aesthetic but again, I would argue that the voice portrayal was very similar more towards Adam West in the demeanor of the character and, and carried over really, really well. And that series spawned spinoffs 
and showed that Warner Brothers animation was here to stay and was really what took it all into a whole other direction. And so for me, like, I again, I would come home from school and it would be on on every weekday afternoon and I would watch Batman the Animated Series. One of the biggest, most notable DC fans in the world, Kevin Smith, has been told, has yeah. said in multiple interviews, this is my Batman. When I think of Batman, this is the voice I think of. And has had the chance to, you know, obliviate, uh, you know, obliviate on that and, and talk with him and everything else. So it's very much a, a testament to what you're saying there. Absolutely. And um, without this series, we don't have Harley Quinn because this series invented Harley Quinn. So there you go, kids. If you want to know where she started, Batman, the animated series, check it out on HBO Max. So that's going to do it for our first round Tony's got a finger up. What you got, buddy? Let me just throw out a couple things that I had written down that we didn't get to. If you don't mind, real quick, and maybe no, you guys can it. comment on them or we're, whatever. We're there's only a schedule f- this week, so. There's only a few left on here that we didn't get to out of the 22 now. Um, Invincible, I had to throw on here. Um, let me just run down here. 19 for me. Uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. John Irwin was playing He-Man. Alan Oppenheimer doing uh, Skeletor. Uh, how about Gary Owens and then George Lowe doing Space? East Coast, the reincarnation coast to coast. Huh? Uh, Bruce Lee as Cato in the 60s in the Green Hornet series. That's pretty cool. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the animated series in the late 80s. And then for me, The Tick, they got a newer one, but I'll take the earlier one with Patrick Warburton. So just a few more I wanted nice. to throw out there. Did you ever te- watch the cartoon? The animated? The, no. That's the newer one. No, yeah, but the because it originally was a Saturday morning cartoon on Fox, um, and then then Patrick Warburton's portrayal was uh, a live action show, just as bonkers as as the as the live action ones. Tony's so. list just made me realize we didn't have Speed Racer on our list. He could have been added. Is he a, is he a superhero? His car was. <laughs> should have had kid on here too then yeah there you go that's true ultraman there you go though i i don't know i mean david hasselhoff he's just kind of a superhero all his own you i ever would, see him I in, ever see him in the spongebob movie i mean come on i didn't know i've never watched a second of spongebob squarepants i'm happy to admit that even as i get ready to play a clip on that note, with a character's <laughs> voice is mayonnaise an instrument what a go jellyfishing what am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is? All right, gentlemen. As you, as I noted earlier in the show, we are recording here on Sunday, May 9th for an episode on May 10th, which means that today is Mother's Day. And so this week for Patrick O'Dowd has a question. I just want to ask, what's something that your mom gave to you that helped make you the person you are today? And I can go first. I'll share a couple of things just to give you a moment to think, because that's a big question. If not for my mother, we're not doing this show. My mom got me enraptured with science fiction and fantasy because she loved old 1950s, 1960s science fiction adventure movies. Uh, My love for Ray Harryhausen as a special effects guy 
comes from my mom and her love of Sinbad, the Eye of the Tiger, the Golden Voyage of Sinbad, Clash of the Titans, all of them. Jason and the Argonauts. Jason and the Argonauts is probably my favorite, by the way, uh, of, of the Harryhausen movies. And because of that passion, it got me into things like Lord of the Rings. It got me excited. Like, she was always supportive of superheroes. She was just all like she watched you know you talked about the flash tony she was the one who got me into the original flash uh show on cbs that original live action one in 1990 yeah like i remember watching that with my mom she was big into dark shadows the uh vampire soap opera that used to play it was all gothic and full of horror my mom gave like helped create my passion for really the foundation of who i am for this show and so for that mom i know you're not listening but i love you and thank you for just being awesome yeah i'll go next uh i'll let dave clean up here um my mom was a huge you sticking with like the 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 you know parallels of the show it's interesting because my mom was a gigantic star trek fan Mm. like star Star Trek The Next Generation was like her jam, and then she watched the rest of them after that. Because obviously, it's growing up when that was, you know, uh, uh, why can't I think of his name? WWE Hall of Famer, uh, Captain Shatner. Kirk. Thank you. William Shatner. William Shatner. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that was her whole thing. She loved all the sci fi and fantasy. But now, like, we're kind of reconnecting lately. Like, I have her watching. Um, like the Witcher and Lock and Key, and now uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, or or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but it's soon to be the Captain America. Um, and she's looking forward to Loki and things of that nature. So, yeah, a, a lot of that kind of stuff we share in common. Um, I, 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 no offense to my dad, but his grades aren't anywhere near what mine and my mom's were. So I would like <laughs> to thank her for that. That and. Uh, yeah, Dad, I know I got the athleticism from you. But, yes, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers and to all the women that have been mothers to children that weren't their kids as well. Happy Mother's Day. So we love you. We thank you. And um, don't expect me not to be cranky when you call me sometimes. I mean, did you just call too much? <laughs> what do you want me to do? I love you. Oh, I think my mom was um i think a lot like patrick's when he was talking about his mom she really kind of furthered my love for this sort of stuff even if she wasn't a complete nerd like i turned out to be and you know i i mean in her in her later years and before she passed away i mean she loved the nerdy stuff as well you know she she was the one who took i mean she dropped my sister and i off to watch the first star wars you know and you know, leaving a 10 year old in the theaters with his eight year old sister. And she's like, I got, you know, I trust I, telling me, you know, enough, I trust you well enough. You can keep an eye on your sister. I was like, all right, sure. I can do that. But I remember watching uh, empire strikes back with her. The very first time I saw that and going out of the theater and just look at each other, like fucking Darth Vader's Luke's dad. What the hell's going on? You know? And, and, and there were so many moments like that. She bought me all these comic books. she, her and my grandmother, actually. So, I mean, grandmothers are mothers, too, obviously. And, and my grandmother was, um, like, when I was a kid and had asthma real bad and was, like, in the hospital for, like, a week when they first discovered, oh, shit, he's got a problem. And she was, like, getting me the action figures, like, the Captain America action figures with the back in the day when they had the shields attached to him and all this sort of stuff. So, 
yeah, I would not be doing this show or would not be the nerd that I am had it not been for my mom and my grandmother. And, you know, all I could say is I love both of them, you know, and I miss both of them every day. And, and yeah, thank you for everything. And like Tony said, to all the moms out there and all the stepmoms out there, uh, to all the women who, you know, being a mom's not an easy job. That's for damn sure. And there's a lot of women out there who do a tremendous job at it. So happy Mother's Day and happy Mother's Day to you two guys as well in a weird kind of way. Interesting way to take that. No, just kidding. No. <laughs> well said. Excited. Well said, everyone. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Next week, we will bring you part two of the Hero Project sans Patrick O'Dowd. I will be sending a list of the my top ten heroes portrayed in film and movies. And hopefully we'll have a Ray Cash here. I am a little scared as it's being recorded on my birthday. Um, that I have to work on my birthday. Next week's recording will be on my birthday and I'm going to miss it because I'm working because you and I, Tony, share uh, pretty close to each other in birthdays. So that'll be next week. Top 10 heroes in film. Thank you for listening to Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and thank your mother every day. Don't just thank her on Mother's Day. She's there for you even when you don't see it. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com.
Surrender! You criminals! You abominable outlaws. Batman to Coast Guard. Batman to Coast Guard. There is a drifting submarine two miles east of Sandy Nose Lightship. It's filled with human jetsam. They may be drinkers, Robin, but they're also human beings. It's a low neighborhood full of rum pots. They're used to curious sights, which they attribute to alcoholic delusions. Whoever dehydrated those pirates could not have foreseen their accidental rehydration with the heavy water we use in recharging the atomic pile. You saw it yourself, Robin. The slightest impact was sufficient to instantly reduce them to antimatter. No, Robin. No. It's not for mortals like us to tamper with the laws of nature. Let that be an object lesson in the dangers of tampering with the laws of Mother Nature. United World Organization. Precisely, Robin. You mean... Precisely, Robin. Precisely. Precisely, Robin. The only possible meaning. Let's commandeer a taxi. No, Robin. Brace yourself, Robin. We're going down. This could be the end. Our job is finished. Not now. You are a disgrace. No. No. You are not my father. I am not a disgrace. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. It's over, Darkseid. Even you must realize the folly of being a king without a kingdom. I doubt the battle between the two Kryptonians will bring about such destruction. I'm not talking about them. Your armory, the Hellspores, they've been activated. Impossible. The arming code is encrypted. I broke the code and reprogrammed them. <laughs> You're bluffing. Omega Lambda 7 XL9. That sounds like a bluff to you? One Hellspore can turn an entire planet into a fire pit. What'll happen to Apocalypse when 500 go off? Come on! No, not this time. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want either of us to end up killing the other. But we're running out of alternatives. Perhaps it all hinges on tonight. I don't know what it was that bent your life out of shape. But maybe I've been there too. Maybe we could work together. I could rehabilitate you. You don't need to be alone. We don't have to kill each other. Let me help you. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.